going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spaz Phoenix, and this is WWE Last Week, your weekly look back at the week that was in the WWE. We are in, I guess you could say, week one of the new WWE post-draft, WWE post-backlash WWE, so it sort of feels like a season premiere, and uh, Backlash was a good kickoff to that. I'm going to touch on Backlash really briefly, because it was... By the time you guys are listening to this, it was over a week ago at this point. But, I mean, what do you want me to say? Bianca Belair buried Eosky. Thought that was going to happen. Theory retained his United States Championship. Awesome. Rollins defeated Omos. Awesome. Ripley and Vega. Ripley and Vega tore the roof off the place. Zelina Vega is, I mean, you guys know what I think about Rhea Ripley. I don't need to go into what I think about Rhea Ripley. She's probably the biggest success story in WWE right now, if we're really, really honest with each other. But Zelina Vega, who's been around for this long, and I've been waiting to see in a spotlight like this for this long, having the moment that she had in Puerto Rico um, last Saturday was phenomenal, and she put up a good fight, and... Sorry to say this, but for the David and Goliath match that they had, Rhea Ripley made Zelina Vega look awesome in that losing effort, and it was kind of cool to not really have much of uh, much of Judgment Day or the LWO out there because we were going to have them out there afterwards for the next match, obviously. Um, but it was really, really good. The 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 ending, or sorry, the result was never in any any doubt, so you didn't really have to worry about oh my god, is she going to win? Just let her have her moment, and if you've seen anything from her social media wise uh after that talking at great length about what it meant to be in puerto rico for the first time in front of her family at home for the first time very 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 wonderful bunny versus priest was unreal the it'll not surprise you at all bad bunny is not my kind of music but the guy's a fucking star you can tell he's a fucking star he carries himself like a fucking star and the way they did they did the the drones for a lot of the show like the show uh the show opening images and whatever on smackdown and for backlash by the way having that cool drone entering the building as as part of the opening was really cool but to have the drone follow him out and then pan out to the crowd that entrance was fantastic and bad bunny doesn't hold back. I mean, WWE, in general, is doing a very, very cool job with their celebrity involvement these days. I mean, <laughs> Snoop Dogg's people's elbow, notwithstanding. Um, but I mean, Pat McAfee, I mean, the three the three pillars of WWE celebrity wrestling right now are Pat McAfee, Logan Paul, and obviously Bad Money. They had a hell of a match. And what I liked about this, because you knew, and I said it in the preview, this is going to be a really cool way for the Judgment Day and the LWO to go head-to-head -head as groups one last time. They did do that, but I do like that they let these guys have a hell of a match before anything else got involved. They brawled out into the crowd, they did some stunts, they did some spots. They did... I was watching along with the uh, the What Culture live stream, and I think it was Phil Chambers and uh, Michael Hamflit on that one, so shout out to those guys, as if they need a shout out from me. Uh, but they mentioned, here's this guy who's already a star, who could like fall back and land in money. He does not need to be doing this, and he definitely did some of the stuff. Uh, previous in the night, we had seen Savio Vega make a guest appearance uh, to present him with a Puerto Rican kendo stick to add to his bucket of toys. I thought that was really cool. Obviously, Judgment Day came down. Obviously, Ray came down. Uh, Carlito making an, an appearance before even Savio Vega, but Savio Vega then doing what he could do in the uh, in the aisleway as he led down the rest of the LWO, the remaining members, Joaquin Wilde and uh, Cruz del Toro. It was just really cool, and to see them all celebrating, and to see something that, I mean, I'm up here in Canada, you guys, you guys know where I am at this point, this is not, this was location specific, it wasn't for me, but to see the people that it was for enjoying it so much, that was for me, if that makes any sense. Um, similar, similarly, I should say, the building that they were in, the Colise de Puerto Rico, I think is how you pronounce it, somebody's going to correct me down in the comment section below, uh, they didn't have a stage. They did sort of that weird, they did it for the Rumble one year, I think, where it's just they took one of the, one of the hallways and kind of lit it up with uh, enough LED boards to make it, something, but I mean, to come out through the throngs of fans is better than any stage way anyway, and like I said, the cool stuff that they were doing with the drones 
and all that. Lots and lots of fun. Obviously, Bad Bunny got the win. Um, sort of evened up the odds as far as Judgment Day and the LWO. Rhea Ripley got her win. Bad Bunny got his win. Very, very predictable stuff. But, pre like, if you're predicting to see something you're going to like, you're not going to mind it being predictable. I'm sorry I'm being repetitive at that point. And then... Oh, hail the conquering hero, Cody Rhodes busted Brock Lesnar open and then beat him with the most devastating move in all of entertainment, the surprise roll-up. And, man, Brock bled a lot. That's the, that's the story of that match. And we're going to get into more of that tonight. But... Uh, kicking over into Raw, Backlash just was a good show. I said it at the time. I said it was a, an, a weird mix of, like... Imagine any random house show that you've been to, plus, like, a bigger, like, one of the Saudi shows without the political stuff that goes along with that, plus a random, like, elevated episode of something. You know, you've heard me talk about things like Spring Break and being an elevated episode of NXT. Well, this was an elevated episode of WWE, plus a house show, plus a weird super show feeling, and that was really, really cool, and I will keep saying it, WWE, uh, really, really stretching their wings outside of the U.S. Uh, since opening up after COVID, especially this year, I mean, yes, WrestleMania was in the States, of course WrestleMania was going to be in the States, and of course, um, SummerSlam is going to be in the States in Detroit, I have no problem with that whatsoever, come back for your, I'm going to use the terminology from the other company for a second, but come back for your pillar pay-per-views. But to go from Montreal for the Chamber to San Juan, Puerto Rico for this, to, yes, Saudi Arabia for um, for the, what is it, what is it, what is it, Night of Champions. There we go, thank you, Brain. And to go back over across the pond for Money in the Bank, like, they're going to get these huge, raucous crowds. Not only because they're crowds that are that are raucous and happy to have a show, but there are crowds that don't get it. And not to be crude, but it's like, you know, starve a dog and he'll love you every time you bring him food. Uh, that's, I mean, that's pretty much the only reason Tony Khan is filling Wembley. I'm sorry, let's be real for a second. A country, uh, uh, company that took that long just to branch out a little bit up into up here into Canada and then do what they did not too long ago, the last time they were in Toronto. Um, yeah. San Juan, Puerto Rico, like 2002, 2003, something like that was the last time they had a proper pay-per-view, and that was New Year's Revolution, and that was good, and then we left them for a bit, and I mean, Clash at the Castle last year was huge, I mean, it reminded WWE that Bailey's not really a heel, but we do what we can, we had the production glitch where uh, Tyson Fury and Drew McIntyre were singing that wasn't supposed to be televised, that was, that was a bit awkward, but it was big. Backlash felt big. Montreal for a chamber felt big. I'm sorry, like them or not, the Saudi shows are big. Money in the Bank over in London will be big. Uh, the Wembley show, yes, I can't stand AEW, un unless we're getting the CM Punk show on Saturdays. But, but the Wembley show will be big. All of my bullshit and sarcasm aside, it will be big. Keep doing this. Even the SmackDown crowd was fucking awesome. Great, great, successful venture overall. I'm kind of bummed that they didn't do a press conference, because I would have loved to hear what was happening at the press conference. Anyways, before Raw, we got the announcement, uh, some clarification, I should say, of how the uh, how the tournament for the new World Heavyweight Championship that everybody's bitching about was going to go down. On the Raw side of things, there was going to be two triple threat matches, and the winners of those two triple threat matches were going to go on to have one final match. They were going to do the same thing on SmackDown. Those two winners were going to face at Night of Champions. Now... Initially, I thought the fact that this was happening in Saudi would narrow down, you know, who could potentially be in it and not in it. But when we get to something on SmackDown, I, I something's changed. I'm not a political person, especially around those parts of the world, so I won't pretend that I am, but something's changed. We got the announcement that tonight we were going to get Cody versus Finn Balor versus The Miz. We were going to get Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura versus Damian Priest. Winners were going to go on to the main event. I love the fact that Damian Priest was included in this as well. If I can go on another little tangent for a second. I said going into WrestleMania that the two biggest things, the two biggest entities in the WWE going into WrestleMania were Judgment Day and, uh, and the Bloodline. And in the Bloodline, you had 
Roman in a match, you had the Usos in a match, you did not have Solo Sokoa in a match. On the other side of the coin, you had Ripley in a match, you had Dom in a match, you had Finn Balor in a match, you did not have Damian Priest in a match. And I said, okay, they do, they pick a random one or two people after WrestleMania to give a weird post-WrestleMania push to. You gotta give those weird post-WrestleMania pushes to Solo Sokoa and Damian Priest at this point. And I'm pretty sure they are. Damian Priest got featured in the tournament and Solo Sokoa we're going to talk about when we get to SmackDown. But Cody comes out to start the show because why not? Tips his hat to the crowd because he's made lots of memories here in Jacksonville because we have to crow it, crowbar in an AEW reference. He brags about the success of Backlash like it had anything to do with him. He talks about the tournament and going on to win the World Heavyweight Championship at Night of Champions. And then you think it's going to be the match that he's in, but no, he walks back up and he sort of talks to the belt for a minute, and then Seth Rollins comes out for his match, which was immediately weird because we know he's in the other triple threat match, and they have a weird stare down because, oh my god, remember? They have history. Rollins was the one that I fought in the cage when my titty fell off. Oh, man, the Cody discourse is just getting worse and worse and worse. But... You know what's not worse and worse and worse? Seth Rollins, Damian Priest, Shinsuke Nakamura in the first round. Before the match, obviously, they showed some more highlights of the Priest versus Bunny match with all the accessorial people involved. Nice little highlight on the contributions of Savio Vega and, and uh, Carlito, which I thought was nice. Priest was selling all of his injuries. He's still... He still overpowers the other two in the early going because even an injured Damian Priest is bigger than Nakamura and bigger than Rollins. I like that. They didn't make him... They made him show the the wherewithal of what had happened to him two nights ago, but they didn't have him limp into there like a wounded dog either, which is nice. Um, when he was out of the ring, we got a couple different flashes of a really interesting Shinsuke Nakamura versus Seth Rollins match. Um, uh, Nakamura does that weird uh, sliding DDT out of the ring, or sorry, sliding sliding German suplex that he does, a uh, series of dives by Rollins, and then all three of them get back into the ring, and all three of them basically have a kickoff. Um, Nakamura has a knee bar on Priest, Rollins splashes on both of them and hits the pedigree for the win. This suited everybody. This suited pretty much everybody. Because Nakamura doesn't look bad for losing, he got hit out of nowhere while he was applying a knee bar on another person. So he's, his loss is excusable. Rollins gets to move on, which is the bigger deal. And Damian Priest doesn't lose too much face because he wasn't the one that lost. Like, a triple threat has the winner, the loser, and the other guy. Priest is the other guy, which means he's not the loser. Nakamura was the loser, but there's a reason. And Rollins is the one that makes the most sense going forward. This match, not the best match of the series, which we're going to get to on SmackDown, but this was fantastic for what it was. Damian Priest putting himself up in the upper echelon, at least getting himself in the main event conversation. Shinsuke Nakamura still newly applying himself to his new roster spot on Raw. And Seth Rollins just being Seth Rollins. Imperium are backstage. Well, Imperium, except for Gunther, are walking around backstage and they're, they're telling people that Gunther is coming, that Gunther is coming, <laughs> basically being twin silver surfers. Love it. Love it. And they try to sort of get into a conversation with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, and basically like, we're important, we're important, and just, yeah, well, we're Imperium, how dare you not respect us? And Sami and KO just sort of very casually and very... Sami Zayn doing a little bit of Kevin Owens attitude here was like, yeah, we're kind, we're kind of in the middle of something, you know, give me a minute. Well, we're Imperium. You'll still be Imperium in five minutes. <laughs> they set up a match for later on. Um, in a why the fuck did we get this match, we got Otis of the Maximum, or sorry, Otis of the Alpha Academy and Maximum Male Models, I guess. Uh, taking on Mustafa Ali. Ali got the win. The match was nothing. We're putting on this story now where there's a tug of war for Otis. Um, Chad Gable wants to keep him as a tag team partner. Maxine Dupree wants to put him in the maximum male models. And as much as, like, I like Chad Gable. I like the Alpha Academy as a tag team, but I would really like to see Chad Gable branch off and do something on his own. I like the maximum male models for what they are. And, I mean... I've got a pulse. I don't mind Maxine Dupree being on my screen, but uh, put them all together. Like and Ali, I don't know what they're doing with this like weirdly overly positive heel thing that he's doing. 
I should like it because it's weird, it's fucked up, it's kind of immature, it's kind of very surface level. Didn't work for me on this night, not gonna lie. Love to see Ali getting a win, that doesn't happen very often, but there we go. The second triple threat, match, bleh, triple threat match, I can speak, I swear. Finn Balor versus The Miz versus Cody Rhodes. I go in there knowing immediately my boy The Miz is going to get buried in some way, shape, or form. Balor's in there looking great for a guy that had his head split open at WrestleMania. And the, I love the uh, Balor 16 Staples or whatever it is shirt with the picture of the demon on the back with Staples in his head. That's I like that. That's a lot of fun. That's a good little touch there. Very, like, where these, whereas the other one started off as, you know, one-on-one -on -one with Priest getting himself in and out of the match. This one was very much more of a very even... Uh, Three-way exchange to start. Tons of early pinfall attempts. A lot of, you guys know, I haven't said this in a while there, anything you can do, I can do better. Love that story. A lot of double iterations of moves. Double cutters, double DDTs, double suplexes, double uh, double crossbodies, etc. But then, 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 my brand new favorite wrestler, Brock Lesnar, in a hoodie, pulls out Cody Rhodes, puts him through a table, sit the fuck down, um, Balor gets the win on The Miz because they're even, even in the worst stereotypical, oh, well, Vince doesn't like this or Vince doesn't like that. Miz can't get a win to save his goddamn life. So Balor gets the win. Big plus for me. We took out Cody. Big plus for me. Cody ain't going to be champion. Big plus for me. And the next big plus for me is all the people complaining that he lost at WrestleMania. All the people complaining that they didn't want him to win the World Heavyweight title because he has to beat Roman Reigns because that's the only thing that can happen because Cody Rhodes is the only thing that happened in wrestling now are now complaining that he was taken out of the tournament. So, thanks for exposing yourselves. It's a good time. Lesnar is all stitched up. His eyes are all black as shit from, from what happened on the previous Saturday. And he lays him out and he yells at him for a long-ass time. He yells really uncomfortably and unstably into the camera as well, challenging him to a fight at Night of Champions. He says, you have to look at me. You have to look me in the face. You have to look at what you did. You're going to fight me at Night of Champions. I'm like, all right, cool. Let these two fight again at Night of Champions. Keep Cody away from any belts because his fans are entitled cunts. Just like him. Oh, yes. Rhea Ripley comes out with Dom and she, who's she fighting? Who's she fighting? We get a video, a pre-recorded video package from Dana Brooke. And I'm not going to lie. My heart kind of broke a little bit. You cannot go a week without hearing some sort of news report about how Dana Brooke is like the hardest working person, first one in the gym, last one out of the gym, always picking everybody's brain, always wants to get better, always cuts these promos about how, you know, we're finally going to do something, we're finally going to get serious, we're going to get this done, I believe in myself and all that, and then she, you're putting her against Rhea Ripley, and she dies, of course she does, um, she, she does a little, a pretty good, like, scrappy do for like the first five seconds and then gets killed. Riptide, prism lock, quick win for Rhea Ripley. Post-match assault, um, hits the Riptide again, puts her in the prism lock again, and Dana Brooke is saved. Is it by somebody who's returning? Is it by Becky Lynch, who I want to see her have a match with really, really badly because they teased it a while ago? Is it because of somebody new from NXT? Is it a surprise that we didn't get in the draft of somebody like a Roxanne Perez? No, Dana Brooke is saved, and her savior is Natalia. For reasons. And never mind Dana Brooke being in the ring, we now have Rhea Ripley getting stared down by Natalia for reasons. Now, I know Natalia has had a big hand in the women's wrestling that has taken place specifically on the Saudi shows, but if Night of Champions, if the title match at Night of Champions is Rhea Ripley versus Natalia, I just sit back and... It's kind of like me watching John Moxley fight Kenny Omega. The, the depth in my caring is so vast, all I'm going to do is think about, you know, John Moxley could be doing a hundred other better things. And as much respect as I have for Natalia, don't get me wrong, if that's the match at Night of Champions, which I'm sorry, they're a big deal, those shows in Saudi Arabia, whether you like it or not, Natalia, or sorry, uh, Rhea Ripley could be doing a hundred other better things. That's just my opinion. I mean, if she's going to have a quick match with her in a, in a couple weeks on Raw, she's got all the tools to make Rhea Ripley look even more badass than she already does. That's, that's entirely cool. That's fine. We see a video package on some of the new 
call-ups from NXT, and it's all of them crammed into one uh, video package, which isn't the greatest, but, like, hey, here's all the faces you can look forward to. You got Indy Hartwell in there, you got uh, Casey Catanzaro and Katana Chance in there, you got JD McDonough in there, you got Zoe Stark in there. Then we cut to a backstage interview with Zoe Stark, who talks about, you know, what it's like to be in this, you know, her new home is Monday Night Raw, and this Monday Night Raw locker room is full of a bunch of weirdos, like this one over here, and Nikki Cross is there just watching the interview happen, so they're going to have a fight later. Yay! As we previously said, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are going to take on Imperium without Gunther. So, Gunther's lackeys versus Sammy and KO. And again, I have to be careful. This is much like the Natalia thing, right? I like Imperium as a group. I like Imperium as as a trio with Gunther. As a trio, when they fight in three-on-three matches, or trios matches, I guess I should say, they are an awesome team to watch. When Gunther fights on his own, he's an awesome guy to watch. When Gunther fights with them by his side, he's an awesome guy to watch. These guys on their own... Are, are, are technically fantastic and athletically fantastic and know what they're doing, but all I could think of during this match is, like, the star gap between them and Sammy and KO is absolutely huge. Um, there's a couple of good things in there, uh, a couple of really good Huluva kicks, all the, I, I guess you would say the standard KO and Sammy offense. Champs get the win. I thought this was just a reason to get them out there to be challenged by a real set of challengers, but it wasn't. I guess this was Imperium's introduction to Raw, and they remind us one more time that Gunther will be here next week, and we should all look out and blah, 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 blah. Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green are in the back getting everybody to sign a petition, not really telling them what the what the petition is for, but, you know, we're going to make we're going to make Raw better, we're going to, you know, do all the right and just things, when really, it's a petition that they're going to give to Adam Pearce to tell him that he has to give them a shot at the Women's Tag Team Championship matches. Now, later on in the night, it's accepted by Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez, who were like, you know, you're kind of being a bit ridiculous here, like, you could have just asked us for a match. But one of the people that they tried to get to sign the petition is The Way, and The Way is in the back. They're back together. Um, Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae, Dexter Loomis, and Indy Hartwell, which wasn't The Way, by the way. Take Dexter Loomis out, put Austin Theory in. That group was The Way. And they keep on, uh, you know, Candice LeRae looking to Johnny. Have you talked to him? You know, we haven't heard from him in a while. Well, he's going to be coming shortly, and whatever. And the great... The great obvious thing is like, oh, they're preparing everybody for the return of Tommaso Ciampa. I kind of hope that that's a swerve, honestly, because Ciampa wasn't part of the way either. And they're saying, all the rumors are that, especially with Indy Hartwell being up on the main roster now, that they're going to be putting the way back together, which I wouldn't mind. But don't say we brought the way back and bring back three quarters of the way and two other characters that were never part of the way. Um... And I mean, if you're going to put Champa back with Gargano to do DIY stuff, that's very different from what the way was. That's all I got. I, I hope they all do good things. I hope Tommaso Ciampa's okay. He's had way too many, you know, health problems and injury problems and whatever. So, number one, want him to be okay. Number two, hopefully we see him back on our screen suit and not dressed in neon to match The Miz, because he's not The Miz. Uh, WWE takes a second to congratulate Batista for the success of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I will, I will use this as a moment to pimp my own show. Go back the last two pods. I did a trailer reaction for the, the Meg 2 The Trench which is a lot of fun, and for those of you that have been listening for a long time when I used to have co-hosts, we got Guapo back on to co-host with me on a show. It wasn't a wrestling thing, but we did spend a good amount of time dissecting the hell out of Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which is a lot of fun. That podcast is the one immediately previous to this one, so if you want to go check that out, and you want to hear some Guapo, because we haven't had any Guapo in a while, there's that as well. Zoe Stark versus Nikki Cross. I like the fact that we got a little bit of a of a aggressive Nikki Cross out of this whole deal, not gonna lie. Uh, Nikki Cross gets a bit of a showcase, Stark comes back, she's super aggressive as well, she hits the Z360, which is a fucking awesome maneuver, and gets her first win on the main roster. 
Trish Stratus is seen in the back. She's handing out missing posters. She's got a missing poster t-shirt for Becky Lynch. When she comes out to the ring, she mocks Kevin Patrick and says, go to Ireland and try to find out where Becky Lynch is. That's really nice. She says to Corey Graves that he should put it out on social media as well. We really got to find her. We really got to take care of her. We will find Becky and you can all thank me. Calls her daughter dumb for saying she doesn't know her colors yet. Um declares the fact that Raw is her show now, even though she's not the champion. Now, we'll get into the whole conversation about how Rhea Ripley's the champion, except she's the SmackDown champion, and unfortunately, Bianca Belair is still the Raw champion on SmackDown. We can talk about that at a later date, a later time. She does the fake-out thing. She, she plays the Becky Lynch music like she's going to get cut off, and then laughs at everybody because they get their hopes up, and rah 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 and then it plays for a second time, and she tells them, no, 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 the joke's over, the joke's over, and it actually is Becky Lynch, and she beats her up and pitches her out of the ring, and it's nice and simple. Apparently, the original plan was that this match wasn't supposed to happen until SummerSlam. I wouldn't be surprised if this was an extra match at Night of Champions in Saudi, not gonna lie. Don't know how Tristratus feels about the whole Saudi Arabia thing. Uh, I think Becky Lynch has been on one before. I could be wrong. Don't quote me. Um, in the back, we see Cody Rhodes in medical. He's trying to look tough, and he's kind of crying at the same time. He's hanging out with KO and Sami Zayn and Pierce, etc. Um, sooner or later, he accepts the match with Brock Lesnar. Why they had to stretch that over two or three backstage segments of him looking angry and looking upset and trying to be tough and proving that people there give a shit about them when they really don't and melodramatic Cody nonsense. I really don't know. The match will be fine. The match will happen at Night of Champions. I'm sure it'll have a stip on it. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, spoiler alert, seeing as how we're not getting a Roman Reigns singles match at Night of Champions, um, that might be the other main event other than the World Heavyweight Championship being crowned, but I think that should be the main event. People will cry that Cody Rhodes is not in the main event and he's not in a title picture, but guess what? There's other wrestlers out there other than Cody Rhodes. Oh, yes. Um, for reasons that I didn't even really write down, but they had some kind of skirmish in the back. Xavier Woods takes on Dominic Mysterio with Ripley in his corner. Pretty basic singles match. Woods goes splat on the outside. Dom wins. I, I don't know what to tell you. I do... Actually, I do know what to tell you. I do like that Woods is getting a bit of a singles run here. Now, they have to give him some, some steam behind it, but I've always said Kofi Kingston... And, sorry, sorry, I shouldn't say Kofi Kingston. The discourse and the conversation around Kofi Kingston when he became world champion was obnoxious. What, or, uh, Big E, not nearly as bad, obviously, because that was relatively short and it ended in a five-way where he didn't really have to lose, which was absolutely fine. People pitched a fit when a bigger star in Brock Lesnar beat Kofi Kingston. Get over yourselves. I've always said, the one that should have gotten a push is the only one in the New Day that didn't get a push. Somebody called me problematic the other day because I said I wish Xavier Woods got pushed over Kofi Kingston and Big E because I think he's the best member of the New Day. Please tell me how that's problematic. I would really love to know an actual adult answer on how that is a problematic take. I really, really would. It's kind of like the people that think I'm problematic for saying Athena is better than Naomi and uh, Sasha Banks put together. Tell me why. Tell me why. Are you that down on Xavier Woods? Are you that down on Athena? Or are you? do you just have a stick up your ass about your particular favorite? Please, try to be an adult. Put it down in the box below. I dare you. Into Sheer, get a backstage pre-tape promo, and I'm worried. Veer didn't work on the main roster from day one. It, Jinder Mahal's life on the main roster, even when he became world champion, has been a mixed bag at best, and I don't think... Uh, Veer Mahan and, uh, what's the, I can't even think of the other fellow's name now, that's, Sanga, there we go, Sanga's never been on the main roster, I don't have high hopes for this, hopefully they prove me wrong, The Miz still wants a tag team partnership with Nakamura, Nakamura, you know, you and me, we can put our name up in lights, we can be on the headline of any show, and he, and Nakamura baits him in, baits him in, baits him in, and says, yeah, it, it's true, Miz and Nakamura, up, name up in lights, could headline any show, in a match. And he walks away. I'm like, alright. Cool. So like every other person that comes to Raw, they're gonna get their jollies kicking the shit out of The Miz. 
Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor in the World Heavyweight Championship Semi for Raw. All I have written on my page here in front of me right now. This should have been the final. This should have been the final of the tournament. This match should have happened at Night of Champions. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say about that. The match was fantastic. Finn Balor hitting the uh, guardrail powerbomb on Seth Rollins and asking him how he likes it as a way back callback to when the last time these two were fighting for a brand new championship at a pay-per-view, which this should be, uh, when they introduced the Universal Championship for the first time, was an excellent touch. Rollins gets the win, advances tonight of champions. We know one half of the World Heavyweight Championship match, and that is the end of Raw. Not too much nonsense either, not completely clean, but I will say, for this, and especially for SmackDown, because it's a much shorter show and they have less time to play with, um, it's kind of like the draft. Now, we've got Fallout from Backlash, we've got... Cody nonsense to deal with, and we've got a couple new names that have moved here, there, and everywhere, and a couple names that we have to introduce from NXT, but these World Championship Tournament shows uh, fall under the same category as the draft shows did, is basically we're tuning in to see the draft, and anything else that happens is just kind of there. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. A show should have focus, but I do feel bad for anybody else that was trying to get anything else up off the ground uh, this particular this particular week. Um, SmackDown started hot off uh, hot off the press. We have a lot less time than we do on Raw. There's one less hour, etc. So we started with the first triple threat match of tonight, and it was the match that everybody was looking forward to, and that's Edge versus Rey Mysterio versus AJ Styles. Now. Edge had gotten a lot of people's creative juices flowing because he was talking about, you know, Cody Rhodes wants to end his story and now I have to think about my story. Uh, it's kind of ironic and it feels really good that we're in this tournament because, to, you know, in this tournament to fight for that brand new title that kind of looks like the one that I never lost, hearkening back to his first retirement, etc., he uh, talks about he talked about his respect for Ray and the fact that he he and AJ Styles hadn't always seen eye to eye, but he does respect him as well. And he just you know pondering pondering stuff. It wasn't on the show; it was on social media. If you follow him on Instagram like I do, then you then you saw it. Because of the time constraints, we only get an Edge entrance, and Styles and Ray are already in the ring, so they got jobber entrances, which made me think even more that. Edge was going to win because he was the one that they were focused on. Um, the insane amount of three-way fluid wrestling matches between these three guys, there was never really a two-on-one, there was never really a two guys fighting and one on the outside. These guys are so fucking good. Um, they mentioned... They mentioned on commentary, I think it was Wade Barrett mentioning on commentary, that they have a combined 90 years of wrestling experience. This, by the way, is a huge middle finger to the anti-WWE fans out there that are like, Oh my god, have you looked at WWE's roster? Have you seen WWE's aging roster? How pathetic is that? Meanwhile, they'll go watch the other guys and praise Sting, and they want Goldberg to come to Wembley so that they can sell some tickets, and the hypocrisy is real. Um, Edge did a did a Big E kind of, you know, we, we all know Big E has sort of like that harpoon spear to the outside that he does. He hit a double one on both of them, and they the three of them fell to the ground on the ramp side, and that looked like it sucked. Um... The other thing I like, because this was a match for matches sake and in its purest form, there was no LWO. There was no OC out there. Um, phenomenal forearm to Edge uh, after everything's all said and done. Edge does this sequence where he tries to lock in the educator on both of them. And when one, when it doesn't work for one, he has to go to the other and et cetera and et cetera. Um, playing around with the whole idea that there's no rope breaks in a triple threat match really helped that as well. AJ taking advantage of Edge, locking in the educator on Rey Mysterio, hitting the phenomenal forearm for the win uh, to go on to the next round. Awesome. Edge looks awesome. Rey looks awesome. <sighs> Rey gets to be the odd guy who didn't lose. Edge, once again, much like I said about uh, Nakamura on the Raw match, was in the process of putting a submission move on another person, and he got blindsided, pretty much. Edge making everybody else in this match look great. Ray is going to continue with his momentum with the LWO, so that's absolutely fine. AJ Styles, who, let's not forget, only came back from injury at the draft like a week and a half ago. This was a huge return to form for him. Really, really liked it. 
where we fell down was doing the other triple threat match immediately afterwards because of course it was going to suffer by comparison it was Sheamus, Lashley and Austin Theory Austin tries and fails to do the typical I'm the small guy so I'm going to make the two big guys fight there's no way to compare this to the last match at all the big guys take turns brawling with each other and then they both pick on Theory and then they brawl with each other and then they both pick on Theory Lashley gets busted open pretty damn dirty and I think my lack of interest in this match, and I don't mean to be offensive to any of the three guys in the match, because they all did their thing. I, I, I sort of zoned out during this match for a bit, and when I came back, Lashley was already busted open, so I couldn't even 100% tell you how he busted himself open. Lashley pins Theory off of a boot from Sheamus, and Lashley goes on to the final to face AJ Styles. And I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Say whatever you want. I looked at that at that final graphic for the semi for the SmackDown semifinal, and I just I just said please please do not tell me we're getting Seth Rollins versus Bobby Lashley at Night of Champions, please don't do that. Uh, Grayson Waller, who I'm really stoked to see on SmackDown in Pierce's office, um, introducing himself. He wants to make a big splash. He wants to do the Grayson Waller effect, and he's going to host the Grayson Waller effect. Ho um, guested by whoever on the SmackDown side is representing SmackDown when they go to Night of Champions. Yes, we can talk about the fact that a Raw guy and a SmackDown guy are going to fight for the new Raw title. We can have that discussion. It's already been had. But whoever's going to represent SmackDown from their side is going to be on the Grayson Waller effect next week, which entirely makes sense when we talk about who it was. Baron Corbin versus the debuting Cameron Grimes. We get three minutes of rundown from Baron Corbin about how he was the last pick and how Corbin wasn't picked at all, because, and that's why he's a free agent and whatever. We ring the bell, we hit the cave-in, Cameron Grimes gets the win, I-L-O-L, super hard. I do want something for Baron Corbin eventually, but it is kind of cool to see Cameron Grimes. I do think, though, his, his, um, his to-the-moon entrance... The main roster audience doesn't know what that is, so he's pointing out at the crowd, hoping them, hoping that they're going to join in the chorus bit like they do on NXT. That's going to take a bit. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I'm normally a defender. I'm a defender of uh, of NXT, even in, even in its current weakened state. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. You're going to have to... I like Cameron Grimes. Like I said, really, really cool to see him get called up. I knew he was going to squash Corbin because that's just... Corbin is the Miz of SmackDown. These are guys that make a living making other people look good at this point. They have entered the very empty shoe spots of a Dolph Ziggler who's never around. Dolph Ziggler's another free agent. They made a big deal about him being a free agent along with like Corbin and Ali and Omos and Lesnar. Put, them, put the five of them together as a, as a faction. Imagine that. Imagine that. Corbin, Mustafa Ali, Dolph Ziggler, Omos, and Brock Lesnar. What the hell would you call that? Let me go Brock Lesnar and some fucking jobbers. That's what you call that. Roman Reigns comes out with the full bloodline, and here's where we go. Roman Reigns has returned to SmackDown first time since WrestleMania. He's going to address his cousins. He's going to address everybody. He says, you know, he does the whole acknowledge me bit, and then he looks at his brothers and he says, do you hear that? That's respect because greatness like mine garners, garners respect. There's only one, you know, everybody wants to talk about how there's more than one royal family, which I thought was a nice dig, but there's only one royal family in wrestling, and you're looking at it. Every man in this ring main evented WrestleMania. Now, I guess he's saying that because Solo Sokoa was out there during his match, but that's, you know, it's not exactly true, but... I wasn't at Backlash, and Solo, of all people, stepped up. Solo swam with the Sharks. Solo solved the riddle problem, and Sammy and KO aren't a problem anymore. Solo won us the match at Backlash. The problem isn't Riddle, or Sammy, or KO, or Solo. Or sorry, he looks at Solo and says, the problem is your brothers, the Usos. Turns to the Usos, and he says, you lost at Mania, and then you dedicated your rematch to me, and you lost. Why Why would you dedicate a tag team match to me? I'm a singles guy. We have, we have tag team wrestling royalty in our family, and you disrespect them, and you disrespect the family by dedicating that match to me, and then you disrespect me by losing the match that you dedicated to me. You came all the way around the houses with it, but it actually made sense. You know better than this, and you know you, <coughs> you need to apologize. He punks out both of them. He punks out Jimmy a lot. 
pugs out Jimmy a lot, and everybody on the crowd wants him to do something. Jay steps in, takes the bullet, um, beg, basically begs him for one more shot, give us one more chance, you know, pull some strings, do whatever you have to do to get us a title shot, we'll bring those titles back to the bloodline. And then Roman steps back, and he gives some announcing duties to Paul Heyman, and Paul Heyman sort of, you know, stuck between a rock and a hard place, has to announce that at Night of Champions, because the bloodline has so much power, and because he was able to pull so many strings, there will be a tag team championship match at Night of Champions for the undisputed WWE uh, tag team champions, and it will be Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Solo Sokoa and Roman Reigns. I... I I laughed huge at this. Knight of Champions, uh, I'm going to bring those belts here myself. Roman dedicates his match to who the, he thinks they should be dedicated to, the best tag team ever in wrestling, Afa and Sika, the Wild Samoans. And he just, like, the, the, the layers of reaction, the layers of reaction from the Usos, specifically Jay. You guys know I'm a big pusher for Jay. Jay should beat Roman for those belts, not Cody. Fuck off. Um... But the layers of disappointment and fear and, like, lack of self-worth, but also when he says the greatest tag team ever and doesn't say the Usos, when he says, no, we're going to get the... If we want to get the tag team titles back to the bloodline, it's going to have to be me and your little brother that do it. And I didn't go back and watch it, but somebody said even when they do the... You know, the CGI effects when they come out down to the ring and it's all of them on that big weird-looking tree thing, and they didn't do that anymore. It's just Roman with his with his titles and whatever. So they've taken everything away from the Usos. The Usos, the Usos are the tag team in this faction, and they're not even the ones that are going to get the tag team titles back. I thought all of this was fucking brilliant. Now, what stuck in my head when they announced this for Night of Champions is, oh, well, they must be having some other challengers for those titles before Night of Champions, because Sammy doesn't go to um, Saudi, and KO doesn't go, I think, in support of his, his friend, and whatnot, which is absolutely fine, by the way. I know I, I overlook the political side of the Saudi Arabia shows, and I focus on the quality of the show itself, because that's how I need to take it in, but I don't pretend that the political side of it isn't there. Sammy not wanting to go for all the reasons that he doesn't want to go. KO not wanting to go because he's supporting his friend. Absolutely valid. Absolutely valid. Now, Sammy does his charity, Sammy for Syria, and apparently something politically has changed between Saudi Arabia and Syria. I'm not even going to pretend that I understand it. I'm going to respectfully step back from that. But if that has removed the barrier for them of Sammy and KO being able to perform in Saudi Arabia and be part of those shows, especially because they are champions and the show is called Night of Champions, and I know that doesn't matter as much as the other stuff, but it kind of does. It'll get rid of the whole, the whole argument that they made with, for Sammy a while ago. It's like, well, he doesn't go to Saudi and we need a champion at Saudi, so that's why we couldn't put the titles on him in Montreal, which was bullshit, by the way. Um... However this fell out, it does work. It does work. That's that's all That's all I've got, really. I don't know. As I say, uh, I don't try to talk about the political side of it. Um, Sammy and KO are going to be on the show. The show will be better for having Sammy and KO on it. And Sammy and KO taking on Roman and Solo. I mean, the issue, the issue is Sammy and Roman. And I'm never going to pass up an opportunity to see a brawl between KO and Solo Sokoa. So... It's a win all around for me. Uh, next up, we got because Bailey and Dakota Kai won a number one contenders match last week on SmackDown, I think. Um, Damage Control was interviewed in the back, and they said, you know, basically Bailey was like backhanded complimenting EO Sky for not winning at Backlash. Yeah, I shouldn't have put you in that position in the first place. I shouldn't have pushed you so hard when you clearly weren't ready and. Uh, tension in the works and all that kind of thing. But Liv and Raquel defending their tag team championships against Bailey and Dakota Kai. Tag team championship match, by the way. Katie, or uh, sorry, commentary goes all out on the whole, oh my god, Raquel is great, pretending that nobody else was in the match, which I could have done without. Um, great bits of teamwork between Bailey and Dakota Kai um, in this match. Raquel using Liv as a weapon was kind of corny, but it didn't go over the line into pain in the ass stuff, which is absolutely fine. Top 
rope doomsday curb stomp power bomb combination by damage control was clearly the best thing in the match the stu the the stupid finish of the match is eo sky tries and fails to grab one of the belts and help from the outside and she gets taken out by uh by Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan hits the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up, to get the win. Okay. All right. So we're going to do the breakup of damage control. I think what's going to happen now, because I wouldn't have said this before. I would have said Dakota Kai and Eosky are going to leave Bailey, But now I think it's more so going to be a case of Eosky leaving Bailey and Dakota Kai. Because Bailey and Dakota Kai, as a tag team, pretty fucking good. Now, Kai and Sky were great too, obviously, but I would really love to see EO Sky get a singles run, maybe get her a face singles run, and have Bailey and Dakota Kai continue as heels. That could absolutely work. In the back, we see the LWO making fun of the Usos, and, you know, basically, Usos are all pissed off and all in their feelings about what just happened out there in the ring, and, uh, one of them, I don't even remember which one of the LWO, but one of them just said, hey, 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 don't take it out on us because your pappy doesn't love you anymore. I'm like, oh, shit. So, next week, Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar are going to get killed by the Usos, but we can talk about that later. Speaking of... Oh, no. Sorry, just got to a place in my notes that I don't want to talk about. Sheamus is in the back. He's pissed off legitimately about losing his triple threat match. His guys, you know, Butch and, and Ridge are trying to cheer him up. We're going to go out for a pint. We're going to, you know, we're going to shake this off and something better is going to happen. Right, right, right. They get interrupted by Pretty Deadly, who are now also on SmackDown. I... Sheamus, at the beginning of this show, was in the running to be a new world champion. And instead, Sheamus and his boys are going to be dealing with Pretty Deadly. That's all I got. I, I, I worry that they don't think that there's something better for the Brawling Brutes to do than this. I really, really do. Now... I thought WWE was going to piss me off, and then they absolutely didn't. Because they've been advertising all night that after Backlash, Bianca Belair has broken all these records and blah, blah, blah. And we're in Knoxville, so we have to celebrate her again. Because not only is she the queen of WWE, and she's the queen of all women's wrestling, she's also the queen of Knoxville. And oh my god, eat a dick. The whole, we have to make the entire show about Bianca every time we're in Knoxville is is nail-grindingly obnoxious. Anyway, she comes out, there's all kinds of balloons and all kinds of nonsense in the ring. Thankfully, gets cut off before she can say a word by Asuka's music. Asuka comes down to the ring, offers her a friendly handshake, and black mists are in the face. And it makes me smile a whole fucking lot. Please put the title on Asuka at Night of Champions, please. And then we, much like we did with Cody, on Raw, we have to go back two or three times to the medical area to see Bianca Belair throwing a fit and being all angry and being all scared and being all in pain and blah, 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 blah. And it's really kind of funny. I'm surprised that she can even act like she's in pain because she can't sell for shit and she's so used to steamrolling everybody. I'm surprised she knows what pain is. But yes, seeing Bianca Belair get blackmisted in the face is both ironic and hilarious. Moving swiftly on. Styles versus Lashley, David and Goliath, speed versus strength, what do you want me to say about this? Lashley's head at this point looks gross because it's had a time to kind of swell and sort of be taken care of, but sort of not really. Uh, running ring across the apron to Lashley's head into the post doesn't help matters. Relatively Styles-centric match, up to and including the phenomenal forearm. Styles gets the win. I'm really, really happy about that, I'm not going to lie. Of anybody in the field, I'm sorry, um, Edge, Ray, Styles, uh, Sheamus, Lashley, Theory, basically, there was three guys that I could have picked on Raw. I could have picked Rollins, I could have picked Balor, because I would love to see Balor get back up to the top of the mountain, and I would love to see Cody Rhodes be in that match, only because he would have been at the forefront of another pay-per-view, and his fans still would have found a way to make that a bad thing. Any one of them, but it was going to be Styles for me, all the way along. I know a lot of people towards the end of the week leading into SmackDown, wanted it to be Edge. That would have been really cool. I'm not going to lie. But give me 
Styles versus Rollins, give me Styles versus Balor, give me Styles versus Cody, because there's sort of stories there with all three of those. Rollins is... I'm, I'm going to put this out there right now for a Night of Champions. Either Rollins is going to win the title, or Styles is going to win the title, which will mean he will come to Raw, which means the entire OC will come to Raw. If that happens, the OC versus the Judgment Day and Styles versus Balor happening later on down the line, maybe at Survivor Series, maybe at the Royal Rumble, is a really cool way to go. But I think the more logical way, and the more deserving way to go, honestly, because, I'm sorry, AJ Styles did just come back from injury, which is not his fault, but the one who's been kicking ass and making everybody else look great in WWE for so long now is Seth friggin' Rollins. And what we have AJ Styles in there to do right now is to give Rollins a match deserving of everything that he's done so far to show him earning and deserving that championship. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. That was SmackDown, by the way. A um, couple odds and ends to clean up. Raw next week, we've got Miz versus Nakamura. We've got Chelsea and Sonya versus Liv and Raquel. We've got Gunther debuting against somebody. It just says Gunther debuts, so I don't even know if he necessarily has a match or he just comes out to make a first statement or whatever the case may be, but that'll be interesting. On SmackDown, we've got uh, KO and Sammy versus, or sorry, KO and Sammy, Roman and Solo in a face-to-face, -face, which I'm sure will be a pseudonym for a contract signing of some description. We've got Santos and Ray representing the LWO, <coughs> taking on the Usos. We've got the Brawling Brutes versus Pretty Deadly, unfortunately, and we've got the Grayson Waller effect with AJ Styles which is awesome because they already have a feud. AJ Styles went down to NXT when it was 2.0, and that brought uh, Waller up to Raw like last year sometime, and he had a match or two. And So there's already an existing history there, so we're going to get AJ Styles versus Grayson Waller, I think, as Grayson Waller's first SmackDown match. And that'll be a nice, neat little tee-up for AJ Styles' match at uh, Night of Champions against Seth Rollins, which will be a fantastic match all in all. Night of Champions, so far, Styles versus Rollins for uh, for that uh, World Heavyweight Championship match. Um, KO and Sammy, apparently in Saudi Arabia, versus Roman and Solo for those tag titles. And then Cody and Lesnar, <coughs> like I say, um, I'm sure there's going to be some sort of street fight stipulation put on that. A couple of takeaways from this week, just in general. The whole the whole heavyweight tournament, yeah, you did it all in one week. You could have spread it out into two. That's not a huge thing. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I've got down here as one of my positive takeaways that the, they're bringing back the way, but the more I think about it, the more I think it's not actually the way. It's just some people that were in the way and a couple of other people. Uh, Zoe Stark debuted. The Becky Lynch Trish Stratus thing has continued. Cody Lesnar is continuing to the chagrin of some. Xavier Woods is getting himself a singles run. Finally, I would like to see him have some better opponents, but that's another story for another day. Grimes had his debut. We're going to get the Waller effect next week, and that's going to be a lot of fun. If this is the first week of the quote-unquote new WWE, they're not doing too bad so far. I'd really like to know what you guys think so you guys know the drill. Fill it out in the comment section down there. If you're listening on audio, find me at SpazPhoenix on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And, uh... Yeah, rambled through that a lot faster than I thought I would. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, I am tagging it. Bye, guys.